Volume Two, Chapter Seven of Mr. Hogarth's Will. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Mr. Hogarth's Will by Catherine Helen Spence. Chapter Seven. Harriet Phillips does a little bit of shopping, which is somewhat fatal to her projects. Among other purchases which Elsie had made on the day of Francis's arrival were the materials for a bonnet for Mrs. Phillips, which she had chosen, and which, as she was busily engaged in making up, so much excited Harriet's admiration that she was seized with a desire to have one like it immediately, only that hers must be of a different colour, and a little modified in shape, to suit her different complexion and contour of face. On the following morning, as she was going out shopping herself, she asked Elsie to accompany her, to give her the benefit of her taste on this as well as some other purchases. Mr. Brandon was asked if he was not going down Regent Street. He said he was, and he would be very happy to go with Miss Phillips, as he had nothing particular to do, and Phillips was out, and Jane had the children at their lessons, and he did not find it amusing to be left tete-a-tete -tete with Mrs. Phillips. Miss Harriet was quite unaware of her own weakness, or she never would have asked a lover to go with her in a draper's shop. Elsie had seen something of Mrs. Phillips's unreasonableness and unscrupulousness, but this was the first time she had been with her sister-in-law, and she did not expect from a young lady of such professed good principles and good nature such an utter abnegation of these excellent qualities in dealing with tradespeople. She blushed for her companion, who did not blush for herself. She herself chose quickly, with the certain judgment of a fine taste and a practised eye, but what she fixed on, as most suitable for Miss Phillips's complexion and style, was not always of a suitable price. When driven from the expensive to something cheaper, then it was shabby and not fit to wear. Miss Phillips had come out determined to get as good things as possible, and to pay as small a price as possible for them. She would not be put off with an inferior article, and yet she was not willing to give the value of a superior. Elsie, who had herself waited on ladies of this character, and felt her body ache all over from the fatigue of being civil to them, was sorry for the shopman, who fetched out box after box, and displayed article after article, without anything being exactly the thing which their customer wanted, while Walter Brandon stood beside the two ladies, finding it harder than ever to feel sentimental about Harriet Phillips. Lee Hunt recommends men to choose their wives in draper's shops, for if a woman is conscientious, reasonable, and expeditious there, he thinks a man may be sure she will be fit for all the duties of life. But perhaps this test is too severe for general use, for many of the best wives and mothers, the kindest of friends, and the most pious of Christians, are far from appearing amiable under circumstances of such great temptation. The obsequious manners of British shopmen, who never show any spirit or any resentment, tend to lull conscience, while the strife between the desire for display and style, and the love of money, makes many women at once fastidious and unscrupulous. To Brandon, Harriet Phillips's conduct appeared ill-bred and mean. He could not help contrasting her with Elsie Melville, and acknowledging that the latter was the real gentlewoman. He began also to observe a certain imperiousness in Harriet's manner to Elsie herself, which struck him as being particularly ungraceful, and the old pity began to reawaken the old love. He had sometimes wished to speak to Elsie just a few words to show that he had not been offended or piqued at her refusal, but never had had any opportunity, and on this occasion Miss Harriet did not seem disposed to give him any. At last, after being in several shops, and turning over innumerable boxes of ribbons, laces, blondes, flowers, etc., 
all was purchased that was required, and even Miss Phillips was perfectly satisfied with the selection she had made. "'Oh, dear,' she said, looking at her watch, "'how late it is! I quite intended to be in time for luncheon, for we started so early. Morning is always the best time for shopping. At least, I find I am better attended to then. But we are too late, and Mrs. Phillips will not wait for us. We had better have something to eat here, for I am very hungry. So, Mr. Brandon, I trust you to find some place where we can make a comfortable luncheon.' I have no doubt you know the best restaurateur, and afterwards you will get us a cab to go home in. I like to make gentlemen useful when I take them shopping with me. I am quite at your service, said Brandon, for, as I said before, I have nothing particular to do. That is taking all the grace out of your gallantry, said Miss Phillips, but if you acquit yourself well, I will forgive you that impolite speech. Brandon did as he was desired, took the ladies to a fashionable restaurateur's, asked them what they would like, and ordered and paid for a very good and very expensive luncheon. Then he brought a cab, and accompanied them home. "'I really wish my brother could keep a carriage of his own,' said Miss Phillips. "'That is one of the few extravagances I quite sympathize with Mrs. Phillips and her desire for. It is so disagreeable to have to trust to these hired conveyances. One does not know who may have been in them before, and might catch fever or something of that kind.' "'Perhaps one might,' said Brandon, "'though it never entered my head to think of such disagreeable things. "'But then I have never been accustomed to ride in a carriage of my own. "'Riding on horseback was my only means of locomotion at Barragong, "'and Melbourne, up to this time, has no such luxury for ordinary people as a hackney coach-stand, "'so that I cannot help being surprised at the cheapness and convenience of cabbing it in London. "'Whereas both of you ladies have been accustomed to private carriages, "'and must feel this very inferior. "'Oh, Elsie!' "'By the by, so you were, I suppose,' said Miss Phillips. "'I preferred riding on horseback in those days,' said Elsie. "'But I think the drives with Dr. Phillips lately were the most delightful things I ever had in my life. After being quite debarred from anything but walking so long, I feel this hackney coach really luxurious, I assure you. "'The drives in Derbyshire did you good, Miss Phillips. You are looking better than when you came down,' said Mr. Brandon. "'Oh, much better,' said Miss Phillips.' Papa said it was all nonsense, her being so alarmed about her health, but both she and Miss Melville were a little frightened. London suits her better than Edinburgh. I have not heard you cough, Alice, for a week or more. Yes, my cough is quite gone, said Elsie, and I have much better spirits. But by the by, said Miss Phillips, I really want my bonnet to go out with to-morrow. Your London smoke is dreadfully destructive. I had no idea that mine was so bad till I put it on this bright day, and really it looks too shabby to wear— though I had intended to make it last another month. At home it would have looked better after three months' wear than it does after three weeks here. You know, Mrs. Phillips promised you should have it ready for me to go to the exhibition of pictures to-morrow, by middle day, continued she. I fear, said Elsie, that I cannot get it done in time, for we have been so much longer in Regent Street than I had expected, and it will be nearly dinner-time before we get home, and Mr. Phillips insists that as my cousin Francis is to dine with you to-day, I should be of the party." "'Indeed,' said Harriet, "'and so you cannot finish my bonnet in time. It is a great disappointment to me. Mr. Phillips would not allow me to refuse, I know, and Jane, too, is anxious for me to have a talk with Francis. "'And you would like it yourself, too,' said Mr. Brandon. "'Yes, very much indeed,' said Elsie, honestly. "'I will be glad to have the chance of seeing you. By the by, Phillips forgot to ask me, but I will forgive him and invite myself.' "'Oh, you need not stand on ceremony,' said Harriet. "'You are in the habit of coming in and going out of the house like one of ourselves. "'But really, Alice, are you sure you could not do my bonnet for me? "'There is so little work on the bonnets nowadays, and you might have it done by two o'clock. 
"'Is not that the hour you appointed, Mr. Brandon?' "'Yes, or say half-past,' said Brandon. "'Well, by half-past two. I am sure you have made bonnets in a greater hurry at your Edinburgh house of business often enough. I have seen how very quick you are. I quite wondered at the rapidity with which you got on with Mrs. Phillips.' "'But that is not finished,' said Elsie, "'and I promised it for the same hour to go to the exhibition. "'I am very sorry indeed, Miss Phillips, "'but unless you can induce Mr. Phillips to excuse my appearance at dinner, "'I cannot possibly do it for you.' "'Oh, very well,' said Harriet coldly. "'I have a bonnet to wear, though it really is rather shabby, "'and Mrs. Phillips takes such pains to have everything fresh and fashionable "'that I am sadly thrown into the shade. "'What a sum of money she contrives to spend every year on herself!' "'But my brother is so exceedingly easy and indulgent, he denies her nothing. "'Don't you think her dreadfully extravagant, Mr. Brandon? "'I should be ashamed to spend money as thoughtlessly as she does. "'She does not care what she pays for a thing if it takes her fancy. "'Now, my bonnet will not cost two-thirds of what hers has done, "'and it will look quite as pretty, will it not, Alice?' "'A little different in style, but quite as well,' said Elsie. "'You see, Mr. Brandon, that if I have seemed to take a great deal of trouble over my purchases, "'it has been for some purpose.' One cannot economize without some thought of being bestowed upon such things as these. Mr. Brandon could not but assent, but the act of politeness cost him an effort. "'Then you come to dine with us to-day, to meet this Mr. Hogarth? Do you know, I have a great curiosity to see him. His father and papa, being such old friends, long ago, gives me quite an interest in him, and the extraordinary story of his succession to his Scotch property is so romantic. What is he like? Is he presentable?' He was quite the rage in Edinburgh when I was there, about the new year, a reading man, and a man of considerable taste, just your sort, in fact. He is a great friend of Miss Melville's, though I fancy, Miss Alice, that you do not care so much for him. I like him very much indeed, though I was longer in doing him justice than Jane was. The circumstances of our first introduction were very painful, said Elsie. If he is a friend of your sister's, that is quite enough for me, said Harriet. I do not think I ever met with any one so congenial to my taste as Miss Melville is. Ladies are so superficial nowadays, their education is all for show, and nothing solid or thorough in it. My dear father was so careful to give us a thoroughly good education. It is very seldom that we meet with any one so well-grounded as Miss Melville is. It is a good thing for my nieces that Stanley met with her. Your uncle must have meant that you should teach, Alice. Did Dr. Phillips mean that you should teach? said Brandon, bluntly. "'No, no, certainly, but Miss Melville has learned so much that it is quite valueless except in teaching. Oh, a great many things quite out of the way, but I meant that the groundwork was the same. Poor Alice, all this odd training was thrown away on you.' "'Not thrown away,' said Brandon firmly. "'If it were not for Miss Alice's diffidence, she would soon let you know how much she has profited by it. You should hear Peggy Walker on the subject.' "'I am quite charmed with the estimation in which both you and my brother hold that wonderful woman,' said Miss Harriet, condescendingly. "'Stanley is quite enthusiastic about Peggy. And so am I, and with as good reason. Your brother owes her much, but I think I owe her more.' "'More?' said Harriet. "'Oh, I see. Peggy nursed and saved the lives of Emily and little Harry, and perhaps of Mrs. Phillips, too, and my brother is greatly indebted to her.' but I suppose she nursed your precious self through an illness all but mortal, so you are still more grateful. I know that you gentlemen think a great deal of number one. I understand the thing clearly. Walter Brandon paused a minute. No, that is not it, Miss Phillips, but Peggy raised my opinion of all women. Her courage, her devotion, her self-denial, and her truthfulness made me think more highly of all her sex, and if ever I am blessed with a wife she will have cause to cherish the memory of that homely Scotchwoman." 
"'To think that a gentleman who had a mother and sisters should need such a lesson from a woman like Peggy,' said Harriet incredulously. "'One's mother and sisters are always looked on as exceptional people, placed like saints in a consecrated shrine,' said Brandon. "'But here was a woman with no particularly careful training or education, battling with the world alone and unprotected, and doing always the right thing at the right time, and in the right way, and truly she has her reward.' Those orphan children will rise up and call her blessed, and if she has no husband to do it, her own works will praise her in the gates. "'I did not think that you knew as much of your Bible as to be able to make so long a quotation,' said Miss Phillips, who could not understand or sympathize with Brandon's enthusiasm. But Elsie fully appreciated this generous and well-deserved tribute to Peggy's character. She saw now that she had been too rash in her rejection of her only lover." It was only now that she had lost him forever that she had discovered the real goodness of his character, but she was pleased, very much pleased, to find out that Peggy's conduct had been understood and admired by Mr. Brandon, and had done him such excellent service. To think him worthy was delightful, even though she should never see anything more of him henceforward. The color rose to her cheek and the luster to her eye, and when Brandon's glance met her bright face, he could not help confessing that she was very pretty— let the Phillipses say what they pleased, and the idea of having a little conversation with her in the evening was much more agreeable to him than Harriet would have at all approved of. End of chapter 7